The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful Burbank, California, this is the Knapsack Files. I'm Ken Knapsack for the 202nd edition of the Knapsack Files main show. We're counting this one. Thank you for everyone that continues to make this show possible by supporting me by listening, downloading shows, commenting, subscribing, rating, reviewing, telling your uncle about it, telling your cousin, telling your coworker, telling your person you met on the bus about the Knapsack Files. We appreciate that. We also absolutely appreciate the support over on patreon.com slash Knapsack, especially my executive producer supporting tier of Thomas Risling, Lethal Logan X, Bedore, Matt Thompson, Nathan Overdale, Zach Anderson, Ty Schallenberger, Chad Benefield, Tommy Terry Green, Andrew Siner, Jonas Bergman, Old Handsaw, Zach Taylor, Donald Long, and Fares Muthana. Best name ever. I just and, I, and I, I always say the name's kind of correct. That was a Twitch stream name when Fares first started popping up. And I was like, Fares Muthana. Something like a Sith Lord. Is that the, is that right? And he was like, Yeah, that works. So I'm going with that. Anyways, they invest in me. Hopefully I can invest in you. And one of the ways I do that is I do a Patreon only show every month that's uh, open to all tiers of support. Also do a show called Kazok Radio, which is a private Spotify playlist, open up to all tiers of support. Uh, we try to get uh, inside why we love Star Wars going that comes and goes, but all tiers of support. And then we have shows and, and things that are specific to tiers. Um, but I, I did a, a, a Patreon-only show just this past week on July 31st, a very uh, specific date and a specific reason why. It was five years after we lost Roderick Toombs, Rowdy Roddy Piper, a great pro wrestler, an actor, entertainer, personality, and someone I along with many here in the L.A. comedy scene, got to spend some time with in the last five years of his life. And I got to spend time with him in the wrestling business, too, like actually working with him in, on a show. And I just, I wanted to talk about it. And it was a Patreon-only show. And I i have determined, and I went to my boardroom, uh, which is my um, uh, tier uh, six, seven, and eight support uh, team, and just said, hey, what do you feel about me releasing this to the general public? I released this last week to Patreon. I never like to lie. I never say, hey, this is a Patreon-only exclusive show, and guess what? In three days, everyone's going to hear it. But I just, I really, I I, I I, put some stuff out there on this episode, and, and I just really wanted to pay my respects to Rod, who was a, at times complicated, haunted man in his prime, in a tough industry, in a different era, and towards the end of his life, seemed to be giving back as best he could, seemed to be making up for lost time, and really took his role as, a, as an icon, but more importantly, as a mentor, uh, it, it, it took, took it to heart and, and it was very important to him. So I learned a lot, um, in my short time around him and I, and I go into that on the episode. I just, I wanted to share it with all of you today. So I'm just going to rebroadcast. This is a quick little intro. We're going to take a break and reset and then we're going to go straight into it. So there might be references to Patreon or the day it was released the show's going to end a little differently. This is why I'm coming to you up top. If you want to follow me on anything else I do, go to KenNapsock.com. Uh, you can pick up a copy of my book, Why We Love Star Wars. You can support the other podcasts, including Box Score Heroes, the baseball podcast that is uh, being launched in the toughest year to launch a baseball podcast since, I think, 1994. If you were to launch a baseball podcast back during the strike year, if you could with the time machine. All that's going on. Check out this charity spotlight tab. Uh, that's important to me as well as we just kind of put things out into the world to, to get people to care about uh, other things other than yourself. But we also love working on ourselves. We love looking in your, in, 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 inward, <laughs> not Enya, but inward, inward 
And that's what this story was about, uh, too. It was about me working with an icon, someone I looked up to, someone who I never would have dreamed that I had the chance to work with, both in wrestling or comedy. It was just weird. It was a, it was a rare opportunity for me. It was a dreamlike opportunity. And then to have it be important and be carry some lessons for me going forward, it was, it was great. So I, I went in that story. That's what's going on. Um, and that's what we wanted to share. All right. I think you get it. I don't think you need to hear my rambling intro anymore. You know what's going on. This is going to be a little bit of a different show. It also ends with a a song uh, that I uh, had played on the KZOC radio playlist. Uh, you know, I, I, a little, I'm a little weird sometimes about sharing songs on a public podcast because I do believe in artists being compensated for their work. Um, so I'm in a weird moral spot, but I, I think it's a great song. Go check it out uh, on Spotify and give it a click, a download, listen to as well. I uh, don't want to ever feel that I take that lightly uh, about artists having their work shared uh, publicly. I do do some songs on Patreon. I feel that's a little tinier environment. And don't get me started on I wish ASCAP, the music songwriters uh, kind of union there, that would, would open up rights to podcasts. I would love to do a radio podcast. And, not, and I do a radio show. In fact, hey, listen to me via the TuneIn app or the Radio Box app every Saturday morning, 6 a.m. Eastern time. That's... Uh, a set time, you know, uh, uh, you have to be up, up and ready to listen, uh, on my, uh, my morning radio shift, uh, on Saturday mornings at WLDJ 107.5 in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. I'm spinning a good time rock and roll over there. Legit radio station over there. Uh, they uh, brought me in. My friend Tim Powers helped me get that little gig. I'd love to start an internet radio station. Um, but I don't want to do that. I want a podcast that's music. Uh, I want a podcast that once a week I do a Cat and Apsex playlist that everyone gets to listen to, and then I'd want those artists to be compensated. But the music uh, unions there, they haven't really unlocked the digital media podcast kind of realm. They're behind on that. Don't get me started. Longer conversation. That's nothing to do with what you're about to hear. Just wanted, I guess, apparently get that off my chest. All right. Here it is. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, I am going to tell the tales of my... Life and Times in and around Rowdy, Rowdy Piper uh, in uh, 2010 and up until his passing away uh, in uh, five years ago in 2015. Hope you get something out of it. Hope you enjoy the tale, even if you're not a wrestling fan, by the way. There's a lot there. All right, stick around. That's on the other side of this. Thanks for listening to the Knapsack Files. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What's going on, guys? I'm Alex. And I'm Steve. And this is Black Series Rebels. And we're going to be performing live August 16th at the Flappers Comedy Club in their virtual main room. And tickets are only $15. And this is an amazing way to support comedy clubs like Flappers that rely heavily on live events during this hellscape of a pandemic. Steve, if the people want to get tickets at home, what should they do? All they got to do is go to www.flapperscomedy.com. That's www.flapperscomedy.com. And if they want discount tickets, all they got to do is follow us on social media at BLK Series Rebels. 
Hey, it's Alden Diaz here to tell you about Octo Radio. It's an interview show that I do exploring the different passionate Star Wars perspectives from artists, writers, crafters, and even other podcasters, plus even some people straight from Lucasfilm. So you can come hang out on my podcast island and celebrate the Star Wars ties that bind us together. Oh yeah, what the pork said. You can follow us everywhere on social at A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. That's Octo Radio. And follow me at A-D underscore Strider. For the best in pop culture art, sleek designs, and some of the best brand logos around, shop G9 Design on TeePublic and represent the electrifying art of Janine Bryce with a shirt, wall art, and more. Go to TeePublic.com slash user slash G9 Design. And while you're searching the G9 Design storefront, check out Janine's show, It's a Wonderful Podcast, available right here on Anchor and wherever podcasts are found. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Hello, my Patreon friends. It's Ken Napsock here for a special Patreon-only broadcast for July 2020, you are hearing the glorious sounds of the bagpipes that would bring the great Rowdy Roddy Piper to the ring. And that is what we're here to talk about today. Hot Rod, one of the greatest of all times, and someone I got to work with, and in a short amount of time influenced me and a lot of people. I'm going to talk about that, the story, what I feel his legacy is now, and what it was then. It's a special edition here. Ken Napsock Patreon page. I normally will um, bring in uh, these uh, Patreon broadcasts sometimes just in under the wire. Uh, meaning, hey, oh gosh, it's July 31st. I need a boardroom broadcast, a KZOC radio playlist. I've gotten too busy again. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. This one's very intentional. I waited to this day uh, to record this and release this July 31st, 2020, because five years ago, July 30, 31st, 2015, in Hollywood, California, Roderick Toombs, Roddy Roddy Piper, passed away of a heart attack at the age of 60. And, man, that just seems like yesterday. And I just absolutely felt it was right to tell this story and tell my tale. Tell my small, tiny connection with Hot Rod. Rowdy Rowdy Piper was, is, will always be one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. I fully am aware, and I understand some of you listening right now might not be professional wrestling fans. I still think you'll find something in this story, or at least, very least, be entertained by some personal experiences I had with Hot Rod. I have, no, I have no true great lessons planned here. I have three lines of notes, and all of them are months and a year. The rest, I'm going to tell from my heart. So, 
Roddy Roddy Piper is known outside of wrestling, of course. They lived the big movie uh, break he had in the 80s. What was 86, 87 range? Those dates do uh, slip my mind. John Carpenter puts him in that film with almost no acting experience at all. I think just things here and there. And Hot Rod never wanted to be a movie star, but he, he leaves a mark. He's here to bu- uh, chew bubble gum and uh, kick ass. He's all out of bubble gum. Everyone knows it. Put on your goggles. They live. Keith David in that fight. Amazing stuff. But Rod was that. He was beyond the wrestling ring. He was he was truly a cult of personality. But he was at times a troubled guy, a, a hard upbringing. Got into a business at a different time than it is now. And I love wrestling now. I love wrestling then. Wrestling has grown in a lot of ways in the ring, outside of the, the ring. It has a long way to go. It's tough industry. And I am someone who's been in and out of professional wrestling for 20 years. I'm someone who had to learn the hard way. Uh, my first match, I was kicked in the face, blood pouring down my face uh, because I was taunting the manager too close. And I was a rookie, and he wanted to teach me a lesson. Uh, in one of my later matches, which was still so fr- I was still fresh in the business, I came back. Um, a guy by the name of Adam Pierce, who works for WWE now and NWA World Champion, uh, punished me for messing up in the ring and knocked me in the, in the head with a chair so hard that my head was swollen for three days. And um, uh, I don't know, on certain days I can hear the ringing. And when I, um, you know, mentioned it to my best friend, who the owner of the company was, he said, well, welcome to the business. Wrestling is that. It is still that, but it was that more back then. And it was even more when Rowdy Roddy Piper broke in. To survive, you had to make a name. To survive, you had to survive the locker room. To survive, you had to get over at the fans or create such heat that they'd want to fork over their hard-earned money next week at the auditorium to see you lose, to see you suffer. The stories of Rowdy Roddy Piper and uh, his early days of his wrestling career and all the way up until, uh, you know, his big breaks uh, with uh, NWA and, and WWF at the time in the 80s are, are their amazing stories. They're from a different time. Some of the stuff he said and did in the ring, I don't know if it would work today, but it was Rod surviving the business. It was Rod getting so much heat that he would often be chased, true stories, chased from the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles by knife-wielding fans. Different time. Tougher time. I think a lot of, quite frankly, a lot of the wrestlers coming up now would not survive that era. And I'm, so I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying it is what it is. Rod came from that era, and he was tough as nails, and he lived a hard charge in life, and he did a lot of things I don't think he, in the end, was proud of, but I can't speak for him on that. I was around him for a short amount of time. You got the sense when Rowdy Roddy Piper showed up to the Los Angeles comedy scene in 2010 that Hot Rod had lived a long life. He was still very young, but lived a long life. He was about 55. Seen some things. He had some scars. He was making up for lost time with his kids and his family. He was always a good father, but he loves... Loves his kids. Been around Colt Toombs a bit. Ariel Toombs' daughter, a little bit here and there. Um, she's back uh, in trying to train wrestling. She actually trained occasionally at the ring that my, my friend still owns, actually out here in uh, Chatsworth, California. 
Uh, one more kid, one more daughter. I, I don't, I never spent a ton of time around. Um, and met his wife, Kitty, um, once or twice, I believe. But uh, this isn't about the connections. This is just about observing Rod. And he loved his kids so much. Oh, my God. That's all he'd talk about. That's all he'd talk about. And that his cult was always around him. And he was a good kid, but just a good guy, man. And uh, got that mischievous uh, Piper face, too. Uh, but Rod, it seemed, seemed like he was giving back. He had become an elder statesman. Famously, it's sad he didn't think he'd live to 60. Not just because of wrestling, but uh, just a hard life, man. Not just for steroids or anything that he took, and he did. They all did, but the nightly beating, being in a car crash every night in the ring for 330 days out of the year for 10, 15, 20 years. He just knew, and he'd watch so many of his brothers and sisters, to be clear, pass away. It haunted him. He was a haunted man. He also was Hot Rod, Roddy Piper. That's who he was. And everyone who met him wanted Hot Rod, myself included, especially the first time. It's Hot Rod. Uh, he, had, um, he had to save Rod time for himself, you know? The comedy store was that place. The comedy store became that place. And there's great stories that I'm not involved of, uh, great stories you'll hear. Him playing uh, the piano at the comedy store um, by himself till 2, 3 a.m. People would just observe him on stage in the darkness playing the piano by himself. Uh, he loved being around the comics. It reminded him of early wrestling days, especially the comedy store, the, the connection, the family atmosphere. Probably also the backstabbing, treachery. <laughs> I didn't get to experience that part of Rod. But my journey with... Roddy Piper began as a fan early on, as a kid. I was terrified of Hot Rod. I grew up in the 80s. I saw him. I saw, I was watching the episodes of Piper's Pit, where he went after Jimmy Snuka. Uh, I saw him um, take on Hogan. And Hot Rod's part of my early memories. I had a Topps, 1985-86 era Topps trading card. And it was Piper being punched by Rocky Johnson. Rocky, uh, Rocky Johnson, of course, uh, the Rock's father, Rocky, my, uh, Rocky, I was going to say my view Dwayne Johnson, uh, Rocky Johnson passed away last year. Um, and like, I was terrified of that card. I was terrified of Piper. Uh, over the years, uh, as I got more into wrestling, uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, they were the wrestlers I gravitated to, but Piper was always there. Now, Piper was in and out of wrestling this time. He'd come and he'd go. I have a lot of memories of him showing back up uh, leading into the WrestleMania 8 era. He had a great match with Bret Hart, that WrestleMania 8, his cousin, real-life cousin. Um, well, in wrestling, it's all a little uh, fuzzy, huh? It was, one, it was a great match. He was the Intercontinental Champion, the only major belt he held in the WWE uh, during that era. Eventually would have a quick run of, uh, of a tag champ run with Ric Flair in about 2006, which actually let, saved his life uh, uh, because he needed to pass a physical for the WWF, WWE. Um, that's how they discovered uh, the cancer that he had battled during that era. He credited that short, nostalgic run as tag champ to his old buddy Ric Flair as something that saved his life. So even then, he kind of felt maybe he was living on borrowed time. 
as I got into comedy, as I got into performing, my love of Hot Rod grew even more, probably more than when I was a big-time wrestling fan. I, and, and as I would say, I am still a big-time wrestling fan in the business, love the business. But back in my teen years, you know, like I was Bulldog, Michaels, Hart, those kind of folks. Um, Piper was like, yeah, 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 I got a little Piper, but I've grown to, grown to appreciate him more, who he was as a person and a performer, and I actually think you can bring, ironically, but also just, yeah, makes sense, you could bring a little bit of him into um, comedy, into acting, into broadcasting. That the, the ability to turn it on, the ability to tell a story from the heart that's both real but made up and there to generate the business, generate the draw, the interest, and get you coming back the next week. That is old school wrestling stuff, but I think that's at the basis of any form of entertainment. So... Suddenly, weirdly, things kicked up. I was just coming out of a relationship in 2009, the fall of 2009. I was going for about five years. Um, girlfriend at the time had moved to Johnson City, Tennessee to get her master's degree. Uh, she was a geologist, and uh, well, I loved her to death, and, and we're still occasionally, we'll, we'll say hi to each other. She's uh, married with two kids out on the East Coast now, never came back, Um we knew the end was coming and we broke up October-ish 2009 or kind of separated, I think officially December, doesn't matter. Point is, Halloween 2009, I was coming out of this relationship, lost in a fog, not sure what to do. And my friend, who eventually became my roommate, was like, hey, there's a, let's go to this Halloween party. We, we got invited. Uh, some friends of mine that I knew from work that he had met out in Simi Valley, California. Great, let's do it. I don't like Halloween parties, or at least I don't like dressing up. Never really part of my life growing up. But I said, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's do a costume party. Yeah, that, that'll be that'll be good. That'll be good. Probably a lot of ladies in costume. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, that false bravado that that I'm going to be okay when you're just fresh <laughs> for a relationship. It was like a week or two. I didn't know what to do. Who should I dress up as? What should I do? I don't do, don't do costumes. And I was like, you know what? Rowdy Piper. Yeah, wrestling, Piper, I love that. I had long been out of the wrestling ring. My first run of wrestling had kind of ended in 2002, and I'd pop in and out of it, but it was basically my time ringside as a manager was, was no more. So, yeah, let's do that. So I, I got a Hot Rod shirt, a WWEshop.com shirt. Found that, got that shipped out, paid for the shipping. Got some uh, tape from my wrists, got some knee pads, had some wrestling, like some work boots that would pass as wrestling boots. That'll work. And I had to track down the kilt. And it's hard to track down a good kilt that's of good quality, but not going to break your bank. And uh, can you get one shipped out in time and one that's not like a costume? And then I'm studying the prints of Piper's kilts through the era, uh, uh, eras. And I found one, finally. I matched one up. It was around... Uh, and our, our listener, Graham uh, Butler, will tell me the clan, the kilt, the cut, everything about it. I, 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 don't, uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I found it. And it's like it, it was that WrestleMania 8 era Piper. Um, in fact, there's a clip on YouTube of one of Piper's best entrances. And it was actually WCW. And if you look at that, there's like, that's the, that's the kilt. And I'll be posting some pictures and, and you can see. So I had this Piper costume. And it was great. And people took pictures and, oh, yeah, I remember that guy, Hot Rod. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
and that was it. I put the I put the the shirt on my my uh, in my closet. I put the kilt up. Uh, I even got the the belt. The the, the what is it? The, the tartan. Uh, I got the belt. Got everything, and and, sat, and packed it up. I was like, well, I, you know, all right. Now I own a kilt. Around this time, a documentary crew uh, had met my friend uh, at a party and decided, you're pretty interesting. You're kind of crazy. And my best friend, uh, still to this day, is my friend uh, Paul, and he's um, he's a police officer, was then, uh, was now. I used to work with him in security, and, and at that time, he had owned a wrestling company, Millennium Pro Wrestling, before he, uh, before he was still working security with me, and... and, and um, we became friends over the love of wrestling, and he got me into wrestling. That's how I managed it. So I, as I got into locker rooms and eventually started helping him behind the scenes. And we had gone away. The, the wrestling thing gone away. He got married. Um, he became a police officer, first with LA Unified School Police, and then now where he is now, he's uh, currently a sergeant with the city of San Fernando Police Department. And uh, so he stopped, you know, couldn't wrestling. Uh, and there's actually, believe it or not, a few local uh, SoCal guys, especially back in the day, who were police officers and wrestlers. But, you know, you, you don't want to get hurt um, in the ring to affect your job. Um, you don't want to, you know, mess yourself up there. So he had left wrestling, essentially. All of a sudden, this documentary crew, this producer meets him at a party. It was It was at a police holiday party, quite frankly, for the city of San Fernando Police Department. And they're like, you're pretty interesting. And you used to be a wrestler, now you're a police officer, and you're kind of this crazy Italian, and da, da, da. We'd like to film you. We'd like to just do a documentary about you. And uh, Paul, being uh, uh, the sweetest uh, person I know, but also full of a lot of bluster uh, and ego at times, he, he's an Italian police officer. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a bound nap. Uh, he told me, and I said, this is crazy. I mean, why are they filming you, man? What are they doing? I don't know. So they did. They started filming him. Day-to-day stuff, stuff around the station. This time. So two things come out of that initially. There's a lot more that comes out of that documentary that's interesting. Um, long story short, through that documentary, giant corruption in the city government of San Fernando, a small, tiny city outside of Los Angeles, uh, connected to the police chief at the time, connected to a lieutenant, blah, blah, blah all this stuff happens. My friend ends up cleaning out city council and police leadership uh, exposing some corruption in this documentary ends up documenting all of that quite accidentally. Fate may have been in play. This documentary still might see the light of the light of day. I hope it does. I don't know if it will. Uh, it features a lot of uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper in it. Um, and also uh, now it's probably not the time where people want to see uh, the tale of a, a police officer. I understand that. The producers understand that. It's taken 10 years to get this thing out. Um, three people have died uh, featured in that uh, documentary, Piper being one of them. So it's uh, it's interesting, right? I don't know. It's a, that's a different conversation for another time. But two things right away come out of this documentary. Paul says, we're getting back into wrestling. We're going to do this documentary is going to, the story, just my life, we're going to run a charity wrestling show uh, in the city of San Fernando to benefit the San Fernando uh, Police Explore program and some city um, some city programs. We're just going to run a big wrestling show. Uh, I said, okay, great. So let's do it. My friend Paul, I always joke, he says, I, I said, he succeeds because he doesn't know how things work. <laughs> so he'll be like, hey, we're going to do this. Uh, and I'll be like, "That you can't do that, man. And it'll happen. So he... Um, he says, 
what we're going to do, we're going to reach out to Roddy Piper. And I want my dream is the main event is going to be me versus my old mentor, uh, a, a SoCal wrestling legend who since passed away named uh, Hardcore Cincinnati Red, who had trained my friend. And we're going to do a mentor versus uh, teacher type of, uh, you know, student versus teacher type of storyline. But I'm a, I'm a police officer now. I'm going to put my badge on the line. If, I'm, if I am lost, I'm retired. And then we're going to get Rowdy Ryder Piper involved. He's going to be involved. And he told me, he goes, you're going to manage against, you're going to manage Red. And this is where the character of Tex Tunney was born. And, and you're going to manage against Piper. I said, sure. Sounds great. How are you going to get to Roddy Piper? This is December 2009. Paul says, I don't know. We'll figure it out. January, early January 2009, he calls me. He goes, guess what? We are in contact with Roddy Piper's manager at the time, one of the managers, a lady named Noel. Roddy Piper was going to make his stand-up comedy debut at the Hollywood Improv late January 2010. Oddly enough, there was another documentary being produced uh, in part by my, uh, an old stand-up friend of mine named Brian Irwin. I don't know what happened to that, but that's how Steve Simone, the great comic friend of Mark Ellis and the Schmoes, met Piper. He met him that night as well on stage doing his Steve Simone comedy bit, and Piper's like, this guy's great. And they became fast friends, really close friends. Steve and, and, and Hot Rod had a very, very touching um, friendship towards the last few years of Rod's life. So... We were all there. We were going to be there. And so we were going to surprise Rod. Um, my friend was going to go up on stage and present to him an award that my friend had received. Long story short, my friend uh, had previously worked for the LA Unified School District uh, before transferring out after five years. But during his time in the, in, in the LA Unified school, school District, he had won some awards. And he won one, one, one uh, particular award, like a con- one of those weird congre- congressional medal of honor. To, I don't know. One of those weird reward- awards you don't know exists. He had, uh, he had um, foiled a plot by a kid to blow up three schools in L.A., which is why I, quite frankly, have strong opinions about why the L.A. Unified School um, District Police Department is very valuable. Uh, so my friend um, won an award for cracking this case, using some outside-the-box kind of techniques uh, to... Uh, to track down and find this kid. Uh, FBI couldn't do it. Uh, they were working on this case. And they and he, my friend got this kid to confess. And he had done it. He had planned to bomb three, blow up three schools. So Paul in full uniform at the Hollywood Improv, in the middle of Rod's set, we had been planned. Our man, the manager knew. Um, Rod didn't really know. So Rod... This is a guy who, from WrestleMania three, in front of ninety thousand cough cough uh, people at Pontiac Silverdome, to an entire career performing, getting chased out of arenas by my knife point. Um, Stand up comedy, you know, in front of two hundred and twenty people at the Hollywood Improv, nothing, right? It didn't work that way. A big round of applause. Rod came up on stage trying to do some jokes, trying to do some bits, and that had been what the other people had been filming. I think Steve and some other comics had, were trying to help Rod with his bits. And he kind of started to bomb. It wasn't going well. Uh, and Rod never, I don't think Rod ever stuck to doing stand-up. He'd do an, end up doing stories, and Steve Simone would come, on, come up on stage and help facilitate the stories. And they actually toured. They did that for a while. But on this particular night in January 2009, Hot Rod, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, was bombing. So my friend snuck up on stage, Hollywood Improv, full uh, uniform, uh, surprised Rod, who had uh, you know had some legal trouble in his past. He was laughing about that. He goes, I thought I was being arrested. 
uh, presented uh, Rod uh, this award, uh, presented it uh, in a very, uh, gave a, a speech about how Hot Rod, had, in, in, in large part, the character of Hot Rod uh, had inspired uh, my friend Paul in a lot of areas of life, including law enforcement, but I gave this nice story. And it's, and it's part of the documentary, and it's really sweet. So we all got to meet Rod that night. So here I am. I'm here at the Hollywood Improv. I'm here with my, my friend, uh, uh, my roommate uh, friend who, who um, had gone to the Halloween party with me. And I'm like, this is bizarre. Like just a month ago, my friend out of the blue was like, I think we're going we're gonna to bring in Roddy Piper to the show. And I was like, you don't even, you, how do you even know him? And he lives up in Portland, you know? And we're, here we are, my friend's on stage at the Hollywood Improv with Hot Rod. We are hanging out with Rod afterwards. And a lot of people around, you know, everything was just, Rod and my friend have a, have a moment, moment, they exchange phone numbers. And it's like, oh my God, you've got Hot Rod's cell phone, oh my God. And they, they got in contact and everything. So we eventually ask him, they ask him, in May 2010, Rod, would you participate in our charity show, wrestling show? And he says, yes, I'll absolutely do it. From WrestleMania 3 to Chatsworth, California, to a gym where we had our ring. It's going to be crazy. But at this point, Rod, because he was on stage and at a comedy club and had met Steve Simone, ends up going into comedy, starts hanging out at the comedy store. And of course, everyone's freaking out. Also, Iron Sheik used to hang out at the comedy store. I think he still does. I don't know. They wheel him in there and he screams and everything. And, and so you had, you, had, you had the Iron Sheik, Hot Rod, and then Hot Rod, Roddy Piper was real close with Bob Remus, a.k.a. Sergeant Slaughter, Uncle Bob, as his kids call him, and Sergeant Slaughter would be at the comedy store. It, it was bizarre. So as this happens, inter-Christian George Harloff, former WWF writer and wrestling fan extraordinaire, friend of Steve Simone, Mark Ellis, I get the call from Christian one night, February of 2010, not three, four weeks after this Hollywood improv moment. Because, hey... At our show, because uh, Schmoes Now, which was a burgeoning YouTube brand at the time with like 20,000 subscribers. Oh, my gosh, how big. We also ran a live comedy show every Thursday night at a place called Room 5. And he tells me, he goes, hey, tonight, get ready. Roddy Piper's going to be there. What do you mean, Roddy Piper's going to be there? Roddy Piper's going to come there. He's going to do a set. Would you, what would you, you want to do something about it? Do you want to do something with it? And there was a lot of popular comedy store type of comics showing up, hanging out, because they all wanted a piece of Rod. They all wanted to bask in the glory. I did, too. A lot of my friends show up, including my friend from the wrestling company, including my friend Joe Ruggiero. A lot of you my old Schmo fans might remember Shoesy Pants. Not a nickname he deserved nor loved, but uh, Joe Ruggiero, early Schmo's uh, character, he was there, a big wrestling fan, too. So... I'm like, what do I do? So I show up, I'm dressed, but I have a duffel bag. And I have a set. Hot Rod's supposed to go up after my set. Uh, Christian gave me the set, uh, like, I think it was the, best, the spot right before Hot Rod. And I was just going to go, go up and do some of my limited uh, entertaining stand-up. Wasn't supposed to do anything too serious. And uh, I had the idea. I brought this duffel bag. I snuck into this tiny little supply closet. Uh, off to the side of the stage where we all kind of would meet our little green room, like a two-by-two supply closet. And sometimes the bartender would come in and out and get an extra, you know, uh, supplies, and you'd bump into Claire. She was so great. 
uh, and Jody Miller, uh, who a great comic now. She was a bartender there for a while. And uh, I switch in. I dress, completely undress, and switch into that Halloween costume that I just had, that fate had just said in 2009, buy a hot rod costume. Make one. Make one up. So I go ahead and um, sneak out, and, and all the comics are watching whoever's on stage, someone doing a set. And Hot Rod's in the middle of it. And they're all watching the stage. They're all, we're, we're off to the side of the stage, but they're all just staring at the stage. So no one sees me come out of the supply closet. And I'm getting ready to be called up. The, the, the host is, is, uh, is energy. And it might have been Ellis who was hosting that. I can't remember. So I start walking through the comics dressed fully as Hot Rod. I pass Roddy Piper. And there's a picture I have. And I'll, I have some on my Facebook page. I'll dig them up and I'll put them here on Patreon picture of you of, of, of me looking at rod's got like a flannel shirt on and he's watching the stage and i took it as, a, as i'm as i'm walking past him and i kind of bump him and i go excuse me sorry rod and he looks over and he, and he sees what i'm dressed as and he goes oh no oh, oh no so i'm like oh god because this is nerve-wracking right this is my hero one of my heroes so i go up on stage and this part isn't filmed um I, I, they, people, they, they, they ran camera late. They realized, oh my God. And they, and they pressed record because they saw what I was doing. We, we, I guess we just didn't tape the shows back then. I get up on stage. Everyone starts laughing. I don't say a word. I just stare at the crowd. I'm looking pissed off. I'm looking annoyed. And I say, you know, of all the nights for me to decide to dress like this, this has to be the night. And the crowd's just laughing. Like I was down in the bar telling people that I was the same hot rod that, wrestled at WrestleMania three, but it's hard to do that when the guy that actually did it is standing over right there. And that was it. That's all I had planned. I was just going to do my set dressed as Roddy Roddy Piper. Christian Harloff was off to the side of the stage. He gets a tap on the shoulder and Roddy Piper just very politely says, Hey, uh, you think it'd be cool if I went up on stage uh, with him? And Rod spoke. I'm doing a bad impersonation, but that's how Rod spoke off air. Very, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, very, very quiet, very humble. And he's like, is it okay? I don't want to mess this, I don't want to mess him up. And Christian goes, get up there, of course, go mess him up. So that part was recorded. And some of you may have heard this on my YouTube channel before. It's buried deep in there. Uh, February 23rd, 2010 is when I uh, uh, published it. And 2000, February 17th, 2010 is when this happened. So I'm going to play a little bit right now. And what you'll hear I almost hate listening to this. It's about four minutes. The reason I almost hate listening to this is I was so nervous. If you watch the video, I am pacing. I forget words. I forget how to do voices. I forget the bits that Roddy Piper was involved in. I am out of my element because at this moment, what you're hearing and what you will see if you watch the clip is a 10-year-old. It's Kenny on stage staring across at Rowdy Roddy Piper. You know, these kills, when they make them, they're just one piece of material with five yards. Good for you. <laughs> Seven yards, actually, there's no pleats and stuff in it. You need to take your garments off underneath there. Yeah! Uh, take them off! Now, you know what Scott's been worse under his kill? Um, a dick. His shoes. Go for it. Now? Oh, yeah, man. Thank you. 
the match? What's the card? Um, <laughs> Adrian Adonis. Some classes at the ground range, buddy. Come on, beware. Adrian Adonis. I don't. I can't. I'm not gonna do your voice. I can't. I can't. I can do this. That's about all I can do. I can't do a voice. Welcome to Piper's. That's, that's more like uh, well, that's like Axe from Demolition. We'll go with that. That's fine. That's fine. Welcome to Piper's Pit, right here. Oh my God. Frankie Williams, <laughs> <laughs> the worst wrestler I've ever seen. <laughs> I should have Steve read my scripts. Uh, what, what do you guys say for yourself? It's painful for me to watch, but it was a great memory. And I'll uh, put some of the photos up there. It's on my YouTube page. Rowdy, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper on stage! Exclamation point is the badly titled. I didn't know how to title things way back then. Um, from there, uh, I, um, I, I mean, it was a crazy night. It was just crazy. I couldn't believe it. I was posting pictures. Probably still on MySpace, but definitely Facebook. And I got friends, my high school buddies, like, I can't believe this is going on. This is 2010 for me. I'm two years away from producing the Schmoes, three years away from launching Napsuck Files, uh, still five years away from leaving the job that uh, I wanted to leave to go full-time into my career. So it was crazy. It was a big highlight. It was insane. And still when I'm depressed, when still I get a little overwhelmed by my job or my life or work and the lack of money or lack of success or whatever those kind of things you start to beat yourself up about. I go back to that night, December, uh, uh, excuse me, February 17th, 2010, and think, tell 14-year-old Ken that he got to share a comedy stage with Rowdy Roddy Piper. I can't top that. 
except I did. We did. May 2010 rolls around, and we were put on this charity show. Now, by this time, there's some stuff that I hope that maybe one day you all see in this documentary that gone on. Uh, my friend had lost his job temporarily. Um, they We had to move the wrestling show. It was no longer a, a charity show for the city. We have the city was trying to fire my friend, and it was this whole, it's, it's a lot of really amazing drama that this documentary just happens to capture. So um, we're there. MPW is back. MPW in early 2000s was a very popular wrestling company in SoCal that was small, but it gave birth to so many things in wrestling. I could talk to you guys about MP- MPW. You've heard me say some stuff if you're wrestling fans. MPW, my friend's company, is the first company that put Frankie Kazarian and Chris Daniels in a ring together. They are now a big AEW tag team and working together for years. That's where they met. That's where they first worked together. Adam Pierce, um, despite him taking my head off, uh, that's the first time uh, he got in a ring with Fr- Frankie Kazarian and Chris Daniels. We had Samoa Joe. We had Spanky, uh, Brian Kendrick. Our first main event was supposed to be a little guy named John Cena for 25 bucks. He got pulled out of the event because uh, his uh, Rick Bassman, who ran UPW, didn't want him wrestling for a rival. And soon after that, the prototype John Cena got signed by WWF at the time. Cheerleader Melissa, the Ballad Brothers, uh, Disco Inferno, uh, uh, Excalibur, Super Dragon, um, what in it, when MPW folded their doors in 2010, six of the guys who used to wrestle for us were like, what do we do now? I said, I guess we could start our own. That birthed something called Pro Wrestling Gorilla, which was originally going to be called MPW 2.0. They decided to call it Pro Wrestling Gorilla, go a little crazy. It's probably one of the more legendary independent wrestling federations. So our return in 2010 was considered pretty big. And throw in Hot Rod, we had a big crowd, 340 plus maybe. Packed into this gym. The ring is set up in a gym that a world record power lifter had owned in Chatsworth. And Rod shows up, drives himself. No drivers, no teams, no nothing. Drives himself out to Chatsworth, California. Shows up. My friend Dan Farron brings him into the locker room with a big announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the MPW locker room. Uh, hot Rod Rowdy Rowdy Piper. We all applaud. We hired a uh, local Scottish uh, band to uh, play the bagpipes and lead him to ring like we did the whole thing. I can tell you a lot about that night. And I don't want to get this, this episode to go too long, but I'm going to I'm trying to go into it here. Everyone, like I said, wanted a piece of Rod, even me, even Dan, even Paul. Like It's Hot Rod. And now we're in a wrestling locker room. And he is aware that every person that talks to him wants that energy from him. They want Hot Rod. And if he doesn't give it to them, it's like Joe DiMaggio used to say, I play hard every game because someone's seeing me play for the first time. Rod knew that. Plus, he's in his element, right? A locker room, wrestling locker room. So we go over some stuff. Um, I was going to be managing against him. Hot Rod had a rule. Never let anyone take a microphone from him in a promo. Never let anyone take a microphone from him. Unfortunately for us, we had one microphone. So as we were going over what we are going to do in the ring, a pre-match promo, um, 
me uh, a character, a friend of mine named Jay, but wrestled as Whiskey Fist Macintosh, who was a Scottish gimmick. It was a Scottish gimmick, and um, we were playing into that. And then Cincinnati Red, uh, who had come out of retirement for this match, um, we're going over it with Rod, and and he was so great. No scripts. This is why, uh, you know, in Schmodown, sometimes people, competitors, younger, newer competitors will be like, hey, can you help me with my promo? Can you write me something down? Or what should I say? And I always just say, just tell your story. Don't write anything down. Sell the event. Sell the next event. Leave the storyline open so that if you win or lose, we can move this forward and get people interested in what we're telling, what we're doing. Don't just talk smack. And that was one of the rules Rod had. Every promo... And it's old school wrestling. It works. Every promo is not there to completely tear down your opponent because winning, you defeating them, would mean nothing. It also means nothing to the fans. The fans then don't want to pay any more attention to that guy that you're talking down to or that lady you're talking down to. If you beat them, it needs to mean something for you and the crowd and the story. So we're in a circle. We're going, here's what we could possibly say. Rod just looks at everybody. Whiskey Macintosh. All right. Uh, drunk, uh, failed drunk cousin of mine. Uh, you points at me. What's your character? What's your gimmick? I'm like, I'm kind of like a Southern wrestling promoter. He just looks at me and goes, promoter. Got it. Red, hardcore Cincinnati. Red. Okay, cool. That's it. He goes, okay. He looks at all of us. He goes, okay, I got it. We'll figure it. We'll get there. We're still two hours from the, our main event, by the way, in our, our spot. We go through the night. He, this is what I say. Rod was an elder statesman and Rod wanted to give back. I want to get back to the business. There was a guy who wrestled for us named Hector Canales. Still wrestles SoCal. You can look him up. Good-looking cat. Great shape. A lot of ability. Um, and Rod just started talking to him. In the middle of his locker room, everyone around, he, Hot Rod grabs two folding chairs and he pulls them off to the side of the locker room. And he sits down with Hector Canales. And the two start talking. And it was the kind of conversation Rod giving him pointers how to when you punch, what and all and all and, and Hector had been wrestling. It wasn't like rookie stuff, but it was the details. It was the storylines. It was everything about it. The story you're trying to tell in the ring, and Rod, in a room with everyone wanting energy from him, basically told all of us, "Leave me alone. I need to talk to this kid." And he and Hector Canales sat there for a long time, going over wrestling, going over what it meant to succeed in the ring, what story to tell. Years later, I actually got to, was at an event called Wrestle Reunion, uh, and there was a big match going on with some big popular names now, uh, and I was watching with Rod, and it's a high spot, a flippity-flop match, which I have no problem with. It's, it's high-impact wrestling. Wrestling has changed. But Rod was watching with us, and Rod was not being mean. He was not talking down. He was just like, this is great stuff, but I see that point. They should be telling a story there. They should be selling this part of the story, not the move, the story. So it was interesting to learn from Rod, who was not afraid of new school, but definitely was old school. So this is going on. He's talking with Hector. Gave all of his energy to that moment. So it's time to go. Time to go to the ring. Time to do our promo. And again, anytime Rod steps out, now he steps out to the bits of back parking lot that we're going to enter into the gym, right? Our entranceway. We had, a, we had curtains up everything. And then someone walked, hey, Rod, how you doing? My name's so-and-so. Nice to meet you. And, and everyone's around. So Rod finally goes, I need a moment, fellas. I need a moment. And he goes off to a little dark corner. And I'm closest to him. And we all just were kind of trying to keep people away from him. And I just hear Rod doing this, count, looking on his fingers as if he's counting one, two, three, four, five. But he's looking at his fingers and you, see him, you just hear him going, Whiskey Mac Macintosh, text Tony Promoter, 
Cincinnati Red. And he's just running through the points. That's how he prepared his promo. So we go to the ring. We come out. Rod does the uh, interruption, comes in, does the promo. I got to get in his face. I got to take the microphone from him. And that was one of the things because we had one microphone. We're a poor independent wrestling company coming back for the first time. Later on, we'd have two or three microphones. Here on this night, we had one. So Rod's going, all right, I'll say this. And then, and he had said at one point, he goes, oh, you're going to have to cut me off. So you can uh, do this. And I'm, okay, great. I go, but I don't, you know, how am I going to get the mic? And he goes, yeah. And he pauses and he just goes, yeah, you're going to have to take it from me. <laughs> and I just, like, I wanted to cry. Like, Rod, no, no one's supposed to take the microphone from me. And he goes, no, 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 it's, it's for the, we need it. Take the microphone from me. So I do, we cut a promo. We go back. The main event's going to be a little bit, it was great. We're laughing. Rod goes back to Hector Canales goes back to Hector and starts telling him more about wrestling, starts sh- sharing with him, starts mentoring him. He wanted, he just like, I'm going to give you the goods, man, to make you even better. So it's time to do our match. Rod's going to do a run-in. And I'm the manager ringside. Whiskey Fist McIntosh is my second. Uh, hardcore Cincinnati Red, who was a hardcore legend. He used to do some pretty pretty brutal things. He's wrestling my, my friend, who wrestled as Lethal Logan X. Um, and, uh, we got some color, so there's blood pouring out of uh, Paul's face and everything. And so in the old wrestling uh, way, uh, the referee's knocked out. Uh, we come in. We start kicking Paul. Me and Whiskey Fist, uh, Hardcore Reds in the corner, getting ready to recover, pull up a table maybe, put through Paul through it, whatever. And that was the spot. That was the planned spot. Rod was going to do the run-in, save the day, help Paul win. So as I'm leaning over, one of my best friends at this, at this point, about 10 years, I'm leaning over him in a wrestling ring in my text, Tony get up. I think at this point I didn't have the cowboy hat on, on me, had the glasses and we're yelling and whiskey fish, whiskey fish who I, I met on that night, Jay. And he's now still a good friend of him, a friend of mine. In fact, he recently did a, an episode of Nolan Guthrie, uh, the storming area 51. That's it's Jay. And, um, just waiting. I'm waiting for the roar of the crowd, and I'm waiting for Hot Rod, Rowdy Rowdy Piper to run into a wrestling ring in which I'm standing, and he's going to punch me. And I'm just yelling at Paul. And I hear 300 plus people on a night in May night in Chats, or May 29th, 2010, Chats with California. I'm like, oh, here it comes. I don't look, I try to sell the moment. But I saw him out of the side of my head. And then all I fear feel is this giant, powerful force on the side of my face. Rowdy, Rowdy Piper punched me. Ah, uh, you think wrestling's staged? You think wrestling's fixed? Do you think wrestling's fake? Yes, it is a pro- planned entertainment. Yes, the moves are designed to be safe. But Rowdy Roddy Piper and his Hall of Fame ring-wearing hand clocked me right on the left side of my face, kind of where my neck meets my ear and jaw. He clocked me. I drop, roll out of the ring, sell it, but I didn't have to sell it too hard. Oh, that hurt. He knocked my friend Jay so far. Uh, There's a great shot of Jay selling the punch. Jay was an actual worker where I was a manager. He could sell it better than I do. I just kind of dropped because, holy crap, it hurt. Um, 
we roll out. Paul gets the big win. Celebration happens, and uh, we um, we all go to the back. Crowds milling about, everything. Three hundred plus strong people. And uh, Rod's one of the first to meet me back behind the ring. He waits for me. Hot Rod, Roddy Roddy Piper, waits for me. And he grabs me and he says, "Oh, buddy, I got you pretty hard. Are you okay?" I got you pretty hard. I said, Rod, that's the, that was the greatest moment of my life. He laughs. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Rod protected the business. At the night in February at uh, the, the comedy show, he was taking pictures with people. There's a picture of me, Rod, and my friend uh, Paul. There's a picture of Rod and Joe Ruggiero. Joe Ruggiero, uh, shoes, shoesy pants, if you must know, says, hey, for my picture, can you, like, put on the sleeper hold, uh, you know, for me, which is Hot Rod's finishing move, right? Oh, yeah, that sounds, oh, that sounds, that sounds great. Come here. I'm taking the picture. Joe is starting to pass out. Hot Rod protects the business. That's an old school thing. Hear the, you know, the story, the famous story of Richard Belzer, the comedian, and Hulk Hogan. Look that up if you're not familiar with it. You got to protect the business. There's no way Hot Rod's going to pretend to put a sleeper hold on you for a picture so that you can tell all your friends, oh, the sleeper hold didn't feel like anything. He just put his arms around me. He's choking my friend Joe. And Joe's like, take the picture. So I took a couple pictures, and he said, God, he was choking me. He said, Hot Rod's going to protect the business. So his punch was not going to be any different, but he felt, he felt sad. He felt bad. After the match, an impromptu meet and greet just kind of had to happen. Had to happen. So 300 or so fans kind of line up by our locker room. All the wrestlers are getting their pictures. Hot Rod's there. I'm sitting there undressing, putting on my new, taking off my wrestling gear. And uh, Rod's standing next to me. And one by one, people are coming up. Hot Rod, oh my God, I watched you in 1988. This is my son. Oh my God, Hot Rod, this is my daughter. My hurt my son. I, I told him you're the greatest of all time. Oh, da, da, da. Wrestlers, um, fans, all that stuff. And at one point, I could, Rod's tired. He's been here for five hours. He drove out from Hollywood by himself to Chatsworth. He's got to get home. He's probably got to fly back to Portland. He's not getting paid for this, by the way. He refused payment. And I say to him, trying to be nice to Rod, because I love Rod, I say, in a down moment while he's waiting for some folks to come over. Um... Hot, hot Rod, I say to Hot Rod, I go, Rod, um, you're tired, man. I go, here's a chair. Sit down. I'll give you my chair if you want to sit down. And he looks at me, and he wasn't mad, but he was firm. And he says to me, no. No. Not for these people. They deserve more. And Hot Rod, Rowdy Pipers, stood there for an hour plus. And gave every one of those people him for 10 seconds, 20 seconds a minute. Gave them photos for free. Gave them him. Free for them, a cost for him. I'll ne and I'll never forget him telling me these people deserve more. And I failed to live up to that standard a lot. But when you see me at a live event, I'll try to give you all I can for that moment. 
if you like what I do on any level, I'm going to try to give you as much as I can of myself. And sometimes, yeah, <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom or I need to eat. But if I'm crossing the street and you yell pit boss across the street, I, 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 if I failed to give you pit boss for that second, then I failed Roddy Piper. I'll never forget that moment. He gave himself up to everybody because he felt he had to. And his life wasn't perfect and he wasn't perfect. Never was. But that's who he was in that moment. He'd, for the next few years, get back into some acting. He'd do the comedy thing. He and Steve Simone, he'd come back and forth from Portland and he'd go to those nights. He'd go to those nights at the comedy store and he'd play the piano first around people and then he'd be the last one there playing piano by himself in the comedy store, the haunted comedy store. I can only imagine what Rod was thinking in those moments. Those are the moments he got to be himself, three in the morning, tinkling the ivories on a piano uh, in an empty comedy club because every other moment of his life was that. He started showing up on Schmo's No Show. A lot of you know the famous moment where he punched uh, JTE, um, slapped him, and slapped him hard, by the way, protected the business. Rod felt so bad. Rod felt so bad, this sweet JTI at the time, uh, but he played along and played it perfectly. It's a great clip. You can look it up. A lot of you might be familiar with it. What a lot of you don't know is um, on that day, uh, one of Hot Rod, Roddy Roddy Piper's, best friends in wrestling died and he found out that day we weren't sure if he was going to show up and we definitely weren't sure if he was going to play along with our prank which had been talked about before and he was like yeah that sounds great but he showed up his son colt drove him i as the producer of the show met them out there and hey colt how you doing good to see you again good to see you rod this and that took him to a little green room we had set up this is when we were in the we work building phase three of schmoes now and I, it was, it, I'm in that uncomfortable spot, even though, you know, we were in the ring together and everything. We'd hung out a little bit at a wrestle reunion. Um, I got to hang out with Hot Rod Roddy Piper and Bob Orton at a wrestle wrestling convention. I sat there and watched as they had breakfast with my friends and I, and I sat there at the same table with Paul Orndorff. Weird time for an old wrestling fan. But I'm not here to be like, hey, Rod is your old buddy. Cat, I'm the producer of the show. And I says, all right. And I start to say, oh, we'll sit you in here. We'll bring you on here. And I said, you know, if you do, if you want to do that prank or not, and, and Colt, his son, steps forward and just kind of politely tells me, hey, man, we need um, we need some time. He needs some time right now. I said, oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you let me know. I felt, you know, bad, but Rod had just lost a friend. They had found out, like, kind of on the way, getting ready to come to this event. But Rod never turned away from a commitment if he could uh, uh, avoid it and... and and uh, he never failed to give himself. That, to me, is his legacy. And that night, that bit, he came out. We weren't even sure. At that point, I come back during, I go to Christian during a break. I, go, I don't know, man. I don't know if he's going to do this. Uh, you know, his friend died, and he's in there grieving. Um, and Christian says, all right, yeah, yeah, we, we don't have to. Yeah, we don't have to do this. We don't have to do this. He can just come on. He, can, he doesn't have to come on if he doesn't want to. Uh, but he came on. We did the prank thing. They had talked about it, fortunately, enough enough before via te text or something like that. So Rod just knew what to do. But that was Rod. He didn't need to be over-explained. He just knew what to do. All right, I'm at one point going to get pissed off at this kid. I'm going to get mad. I'm going to slap him, and we're going to play, play play the prank like that. 
we all knew Katie Sackhoff was there. She was coasting that night. And we're, she, as, as a professional actor, was just like, she was, she was, it was real. She knew it was, she knew it was coming. But Hot Rod was so good at it, she was tense and scared. And I was tense and scared. We were all scared. And poor JTI, Josh Tapio. Oh, my God. It's so real. It's a great moment. But he comes back. Oh, I feel so bad. Are you okay, kid? Oh, man, I didn't mean to do that. They made me do that. And Rod then wraps up, shakes his hand, and drives off. And I'm thinking to myself, he knew we deserved Rod. We wanted Rod, and we deserved it in his mind. And he gave us himself that night. Um, that's why that moment's so great to me, too. The things you can't see. That was around 2013. We did not know that Rod had two more years left in his life. But he always got that sense that Rod did, which is part of the tragedy. He was playing and working with borrowed time, and he was going to give as much as he could to himself, uh, of himself to everybody. And, he, and, and that was the legacy. He passed away uh, J- July 31st, 2015 in August. Uh, I just started Screen Junkies. Um, they let me out early. Uh, I got to go to the comedy store to the tribute night that was there. And I... I cried really hard that night. We all cried really hard that night. Family was there. Wrestlers wrestlers were there. Um, kids were there. People came on and, and spoke about Rod. They hacked on Rod a bit. Also paid just a massive tribute to him. It was an honor to be there. I still have the uh, flyer from that night, but it was a painful thing to be there. But it was fitting, too, that this was at the comedy store, the spot where Rod could be Rod, for perhaps uh, the only moments in his uh, last few years of his life outside of home there was a video played there that i can't share the details of but it was a vhs kind of tape of of rod leaving to go on the road this is kind of during the height little late 80s kind of height not the not the wrestlemania one era height but he was he was leaving to go on the road and the kids you know sometimes wouldn't behave when he was gone and his wife buried the brunt of that load and here is Rod during this era, the late 80s, where he was one of the biggest wrestling personas and heels in the world and said some really mean, horrible things, and he was terrifying and intimidating and crazy and wild. And here he is, a dad on camera. And it was the most heartbreaking, beautiful thing you, you could ever see. And that was the Rod that was present to a lot of us towards the end, even if you had him for 10 seconds. He was going to try to be there for you because he knew he was not there for his kids as much as he wanted to be. He was not there for his wife as much as he wanted to be. He was not the best husband that he wanted to be. He was not the best in the business that he wanted to be. He could be difficult. He could be mean. And I think all of it, and I'm speaking from just observation, not from a personal quote or conversation. I just think you got the sense the time he had left, he was going to give everyone a better way. He was going to give everyone a, a, a path forward. So I'll never forget, in the fall of 2009, a, a voice telling me, why don't you dress up as Roddy Piper? And what that led to my personal uh, involvement, my personal connections to him that was a scant second in the life of a legend. Uh, we talked occasionally. There was a project. Um, There's a project uh, that I, I still actually technically am working on with um, 
Matt Mercer and Matt Key and a guy named Jack Conway. And uh, we had a, we had a role for Hot Rod. We had a character we wanted him to play. And um, it's one of those things, you know, you're like, oh, I know, I know Hot Rod. Maybe I can get Hot Rod. Oh, that sounds great. Do you mind calling him? Well, let me try to get his number. So I did get his number from my friend. I left the message and we ended up talking um, and uh, briefly and he talked to Paul about it and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, cat, yeah, yeah, Tex. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Whatever he wants. So for a brief, tiny moment, Hot Rod gave me a verbal commitment to being a voice in an animated program. Um, show never came to be. Uh, still still in the works. Hopefully we'll see. Uh, and it unfortunately won't involve Rod. Anyways, there's a lot I learned in my short time from being around Roddy, Roddy Piper. It's a lot I learned about how to be a performer, how to channel yourself, your true personality, but also just blow it up so that the world pays attention. And more importantly, those around you are better for it and that the story moves on. And that uh, those that follow you, those that support you, though sometimes you just want to be by yourself and sometimes you just are a person blab it into a microphone and, and you don't feel as you're anything more than that it doesn't matter for when you meet them and when you're in front of them they deserve every 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 ounce of your being and uh, I'll always be thankful for Hot Rod Rowdy Rowdy Piper I'm gonna do what uh, you know um, ASCAP and BMI don't want me to do uh, I'm gonna play a song unlicensed <laughs> but it, we do it on KZOK Radio so I figure it's fine. Um, when Rowdy, uh, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper passed away, WWE always does those nice little tribute videos, right? No matter what you think about the company or Vince McMahon, I, I don't, you know, and Piper certainly had opinions either way, both ways. Uh, they always put together, the team always put together really emotional tribute videos. Uh, and so they did for Piper. And there's a song by a guy named Greg Holton that's featured in it called Hold On Tight. And um, I just, every time I hear it, uh, it, it moves me, uh, inspires me in my own life, um, but also it's oddly uh, it's oddly perfect for Hot Rod and for Roderick Toombs. Um, so we're going to close this special broadcast five years after Rowdy Roddy Piper left us. Uh, we're going to close this broadcast with this song, and I hope my story meant something to you. Um, I hope it inspires you because it's really Rod's story. That's why he means so much to me. I've been selling my name For the sake of who knows I've been trying to explain How it's all gonna go I don't take my life For granted I've been waking up tight Day after day Hope is taking its time To go Yeah.
Just don't know how 